Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. And today I have one of my all-time favorite BMX riders, one of the most, just the most, the, the longest career full of so many savage moves. Somebody that I'm just like eternally impressed by. Dakota Roach is in the building. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate that. Not bad, hey, right? Hey, guys. Decent introduction. That was a, I mean, kind of. You hype me up a lot but yeah <laughs> hopefully i live up to it <laughs> you're just somebody because i've been watching you for so long and i'm just always blown away like i cannot believe that he's still riding at this level yeah i don't know i just feel like you find something that you're passionate about and that you value and you just keep pushing you know what i mean building on it doing whatever 100 so, percent. Yeah. yeah i uh i think the first time i ever saw you in a video or anything was uh the portland low-tech trip back in the day vancouver Vancouver, yep, yep. right? Northwest, generally speaking, mm -hmm. wrong, wrong country, but pretty close. Close enough. Yeah. When, yeah. When you think back to that time period, where were you at in terms of how you viewed being on that trip with all these legends and everything? That's a legendary video in and of itself. Yeah. So even being a part of that trip, yeah. like I, I, when I think about it, I still get butterflies kind of, cause that was like, like you said, it was like, I was on a trip with like Mike Aiken, Jason Enns, Eddie, um, D Hart, all these dudes that I always looked up to in BMX. And I was like the young kid. And, uh, even a month prior, I wasn't even on low tech at that point. Rich reach, reached out to me on, uh, like aim or something like that. <laughs> Literally it was wow. aim. Yeah. And he was like, Hey dude, I didn't even know. I didn't know his screen name or anything. I was like, who's this dude? He's like messing with me for sure. Right. Come to find out it's rich. He's like, Hey dude, we want to put you on flow for low tech and get you on this trip. And I was like, Dude, so mind blown. And even so, like on the trip, I probably, I probably looked either shy or confused because I was, you know right. what I mean? I was terrified. I was around these dudes that I looked up to so much, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm eternally grateful for that opportunity too. Right. Yeah. Cause I remember hearing that from people that that was kind of like your first time being around a bunch of pros like that. Your first time really like, you know, making a, a video or whatever. And that it was kind of overwhelming for you at the time. I forget who told me that, but they basically told me that that was totally like the, the first time you had really been exposed to what it might be like to be a pro rider. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, even so like driving from Portland in the van with everybody on the way up, I just remember sitting there and like, you know, I'm, I'm generally like a pretty talkative person. And like, I probably said like three words the whole time. Cause I was just like starstruck. Right. You know? <laughs> like, it's just like, dude, I'm, with i'm with the legends right now you right. know so 100 yeah. percent. and i mean how did rich even find out about you at that time so i grew up in huntington beach but i was up in um 
Portland or I was up in, uh, I lived in Washington for like a year, um, when I was 17, which I didn't really like that much, right. <laughs> you know? but, uh, I would go down to Portland all the time and I was riding with like Chet Blacksmith and Shad Johnson who owns like good, B- good mm. BMX and all that. And I think I started riding with Rich a little bit during that time too. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of worked out in that way. That was a cool time period where you could actually, somebody could kind of come out of nowhere and all of a sudden be on a company. Now it's like you're going to see them do some cool tricks on Instagram a bunch of times probably before anybody even thinks about sponsoring them. Yeah, I mean, because like, even like the web video thing was like very, very mm. new at that time, 2007, you know, 06, 07. It was like I'd seen a couple things, but it wasn't like taking over yet at that right. point yeah yeah well, do you, did you have a bunch of notable web videos because i as the the guy who was blogging all these videos i probably had seen you in videos but i hadn't really like put the pieces together yet no i didn't have any web videos until like i had like actual video parts to be honest right yeah like um or around the same time you know um i think my first like real part was um for the ride video insight and right. that was 2000 seven or eight that that came out right and web videos were still like in that weird zone where it was like they were there for a few years where it was like people didn't really want to film them they're like i want to save my footage for Mm. a real part whatever and i was i'm guilty of that you know like i didn't i didn't realize the magnitude of the impact that web videos would have at that time so i was like Oh, I'm gonna stick class, stay classic, you right. know. Yeah. All the complaints about web videos at that time, though, don't really seem like they make a lot of sense in retrospect. Like, oh, it's bad quality was one of the main things yeah. of like, oh, like you know, it's shitty quality. I don't want my video like downgraded to this like crappy format on Vimeo or whatever. Because it was kind of true that a lot of videos in the transition to the internet didn't really look as good as they looked on your TV or whatever. Yeah, that was definitely a, a valid complaint at the time. Um, but there was also just this idea that like they were just going to go away, which I guess there is a lot of truth to that because, you know, all those DVD parts still do stand out in our mind a lot more. It's, it's a lot harder to get your web video part to stand out. But to be honest, I think like the Instagram clip age really kind of like made web videos all of a sudden feel special because we're just so used to seeing new footage from people going straight to Instagram that, I mean, I don't think, I think when you decide to hang up your hat riding wise that you'll probably look at all these recent video parts you put over the last few years as basically exactly the same thing as your dvd parts yeah 100 percent. and i think about that too i'm like oh so every time something new comes along the last thing becomes like the the staple so mm. it's like social media came along and instagram clips and you know posting uh whatever on facebook and all that stuff and then web videos kind of took that space that video parts like DVDs did. Right. And not to say that you can't still have a video part on a DVD, but seeing it on the web has become equivalent to getting the DVD at this point because there's more things right. that have happened since then. What about like a native land box set or something at some <laughs> point? Like just something that could kind of like be a physical memento to all the work that you put in online? Yeah, I've thought about doing like even like a USB of mm-hmm. like, you know, the four parts that I did. And uh, the thing is, it's like they already live somewhere and they're already pretty accessible. Mm-hmm. So it's like unless there's like a serious collector, which, you know, BMX has some, but it's not like huge yet. Right. It's like I don't really see the the need for it. Um, mm-hmm. I still like a physical DVD personally, but 
I might not even have a DVD player at this point in my oh, life. Yeah. I'm not even sure. Scott Marceau gave me his new video, and uh, he gave it to me in DVD form, and I hit him up immediately, like, please give me a Vimeo link. He's like, I don't have one. Yeah. I had to wait until he eventually got a Vimeo link in order mm -hmm. to check it out because I, I couldn't find a DVD player anywhere. I guess maybe I could have watched it here, but like, you know, I want to watch it at my house. I have either my computer. I, I thought for sure my computer was going to have a, a, a CD drive and it did not. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, what the fuck? I yeah, I know. It's so crazy. And uh, I don't know. I think there's a certain level of like, I guess like nostalgia we have with like these DVDs and these physical things, but it's like, there's there's a limit to how strong you can stay in that you have to just like at some point you have to evolve you have mm. to be like you know what like yeah that's cool and that's still something that could be cool to put on a dvd but like get with the times a little bit you know mm. what i'm saying it's like what are you gonna do you're gonna just like let the world you know continue on and you're just gonna stay back you have right. to you have to go with it sometimes definitely what, what do you think it is and i'm jumping all over the place here but what do you think it is that really like one thing that we've kind of always said about pro bmx riders is that a lot of people will go super hard kill it film crazy shit to get sponsored and then once they get sponsored that desire to to keep that going kind of fizzles out at a certain point because they sort of realize like oh if i do a hundred crazy tricks this month or three crazy tricks this month i'm getting paid the same amount you're somebody who i've, I've never really seen you dial it back much it feels like you've always <laughs> found a way to keep doing shit that was really challenging to you. And, and from following you on Instagram, I know that it's not like you just go in here and there. No, it's like, this is really what you do day to day is search for spots, film shit. Yeah. You know? I, I think like, I totally agree with you. It's like, you know, it's pretty sad when you see people that have so much potential and have pushed it so far to get to a certain point and they didn't follow through, they didn't mm -hmm. follow up. It's like, dude, you're wasting talent. You know what I mean? But then again, it's like, you could, you could leave, uh, lead the horse to water, but you can't make them drink, you know? Mm. So it's like, you can get somebody to that place and help them, but if they don't want to keep pushing it, that's not on you anymore, you know? So it's like, I think it comes down to passion and drive and uh, work ethic, you know mm. what I mean? Like for me, it's like, I, I'm so thankful for what I have and what I've been able to build, uh, build with the people that have, you know, helped me get here that, I just feel like I owe it to myself and I owe it to them to just keep pushing um, until the passion's gone or until I can't do it anymore. You know, I think it's like within reason that is like, I don't want to be like, you know, I don't want to be like an old man, like worried about falling constantly or anything mm -hmm. like that. But like, I still feel like I have something to provide myself and others and I still have love and passion and drive for it. So I'm just going to keep doing it. Has there ever been a moment where you felt like the passion was, potentially maybe dwindling like like anytime we were like you know maybe maybe this just isn't what i want to keep doing with my life like it's got to be kind of tempting to take a step back because of the fact that you really got to sort of brutalize your body at times absolutely yeah yeah it comes into mind a lot but it always has you know and it's like i think at that point you have to look at like you got to look at it like what do i value in this particular situation and it's like I always value riding more than I value walking away up mm. to this point you know so it's like I don't know I think the the mental side of, of everything is what ends up being a lot of people's demise you know what I mean it's like this like you know either self-limiting beliefs or like this like thought that I don't need to keep doing this or I don't want to keep doing it and it's like you know I have all those thoughts all the time and uh I just 
you know, I try my best to like analyze them in a way that's helpful for me and use it for motivation, you know? It's interesting to think about it this way too. You, you're probably many, many years away from retiring from being a pro, but there's probably parts of riding that you've retired over the years, right? Like at some point you just do the biggest ice pick grind down a rail that you're probably ever going to do. And you're just kind of like, all right, after this 25 stair, I'm just probably not going to find a 40 stair, you know, like, like there's gotta be a bunch of tricks that are like that. Right. Oh, absolutely. I think everybody has that too, where it's like, you get really comfortable and progressive with like a certain trick or a certain type of trick and you do it as far as you can. Mm. And then it's like, you're content with that. And then you move on, you know, that's the cool thing about riding is like, you can, you can evolve into any direction you want. You know, Mm. it's like, even with the way your bike's set up, you could change your riding with that. Or, um, you know, you might be really into doing grinds for six months and then that's when you do the long ice pick. But then it's like, Hey, I want to, you know, I want to go high on a wall ride or jump a big set or whatever it is. It's like kind of limitless, which Mm. is what always keeps me in it. I feel like. Right. And, and like, do you, go out of your way to spice it up. Cause I've always also been impressed by seeing you just do tricks that I know are not like your, your easiest tricks, like seeing you get better and better at bar spins over the years or doing the backward manual stuff that I like, you know, at a certain point I was like, damn, that's dope that he's actually like pushing himself in that direction. Cause I don't remember him doing a ton of that uh, a few years ago. Does that stand out to you as like, even though you know you're not going to be the best bar spin dude that you're still going to just find a way to make sure that you're at least competent in that department? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it all comes down to the things that like you want to progress with or you want to be doing because I mean, sometimes I get caught up trying to learn tricks because I saw someone else do it and I'm like, I feel like I might need to learn this now. You know, it's like this feeling of like, I need to keep up with what's current in BMX. And it's like, you know, sometimes I have to dial that back because I'm like, no, like I got to do this for me Mm. and for, I guess the people that look for my riding for what it is instead of um looking to me to learn the newest tech trick you know so it's like yeah if if a backwards manual starts making sense to me and i could apply it to tricks that i already like to do and i feel like it could fit into my i guess my trick bag then i'm gonna do it you know but if i see something and i feel like I'm learning it just for the sake of trying to keep up with the masses of BMX, then I need to like, really like sit with myself for a second and be like, do I need to do this? Yeah. You know? So that, I mean, it must be a crazy thing just cause like every, th- there's a lot of young riders who we just look at and they're just godly talented. Like somebody, somebody like Matt Nordstrom, who I just see on Instagram <laughs> all the time. And I'm just like, how the fuck does this kid actually exist and ride like this? And how has he been doing this for many years and he just hasn't got sick of it and he's still just pushing himself so hard. That just blows me away. No, I know. And that's the thing. It's like you have these dudes and like obviously use Matt as an example. And it's like he's obviously passionate about what he's doing because mm. he's pushing it and he's still doing it. And you could tell he loves it, you know. So it's like people like that can take take uh, BMX as far as they want, really. You I, know? Mem- I remember talking to like a filmer or a team manager at one point, and he was almost kind of bitching about Matt, which we, for some reason we use an example, because he's like, bro, we'll go to the skate park, and he'll just try a trick for four hours, and he'll be so sweaty and disgusting, and then I have to sit next to him in the van. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, oh, that, ma- that makes sense, because like, that- that's actually good to know that he doesn't just go to the skate park and do that kind of trick in 20 minutes. That's like, sure. it is a battle. Like, it- it's not just one and done type of thing 
Yeah, yeah, and it's it's cool. I feel like even the people that are the most dialed, like I look at like a dude like Garrett Reynolds, who's right. like up here, you know, and it's and, like and does a lot of those tricks in weirdly quick amounts of time. Yeah. But I'm sure his best footage is not like that necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him try things for you know like a decent amount of time, and like he always stays in it though, and he pushes until he gets it, you know. So it's like that separates somebody from. That separate, he said he, <laughs> his style of riding and what he does and how progressive he is and how um, long he's able to stay in it is what's gonna I guess like stand the test of time versus other riders who, they they don't want to do something that's too hard and then they walk away. You know what I mean? Mm. So yeah. What what do you think is the thing that like physically or like like what do you need to do to be able to still ride at the level that you're at and i would imagine you know when i think about somebody like garrett it's like fuck i remember him when he was 15 16 years old and he was one of the best riders and the fact that he's managed to still keep his body working on this level is just mind-blowing yeah no i think i think there's a lot of like you know physical things you need to adapt into your daily routine like he stretches a lot he's Mm -hmm. always using the theragun and like rolling it out and eating well. I think those are all things that like when you're younger, when you're 19, 20, you don't think about those things because you don't need them. But in order to keep it going, you need to start tuning up your body more often. So you really see it like when you're eating really clean and everything, you see it in the way that you can recover from injuries or the way you feel when you're out riding or what? Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I think that the times that I feel the best on my bike is when like, I know I'm eating well. Right. And it might be a placebo thing. It might Mm. be like, okay, I'm going to ride better because I'm eating well or whatever. But even if it is, it helps. So it is what it is, you know, but it's like, yeah, doing that. And like, you know, going and getting injuries worked on with a physical therapist or a chiropractor or whatever, when you have them, instead of having them linger, that's super helpful. Like those types of things, like, are like what again are gonna allow you to take it as far as you want so i remember when we used to go to a simple session that we'd be looking at the people who went to bed early like they're just the biggest losers does that like have have you had to scale back i mean you were you were never like a huge drinker right yeah no um especially like you know early on in riding i wasn't really partying or drinking at all it just wasn't just wasn't really my thing um and even so now, like, it's just, I don't know. I like waking up and feeling good. Yeah. So um, I've, I've kind of always been the go to bed early kind of guy. So um, at least I haven't had to adapt too much to that. But right. uh, yeah, that, so. that is kind of cr- I was listening to uh, this fucking three hour Jamie Bestwick interview that I listened to the other day. And he was talking about being an Olympic coach and how like the first Olympic event that they went to. I'm not sure the exact timeline, but basically the team went out and like partied all night and then performed horribly the next day rode really bad and how he kind of like had to put his foot down and be like no like we're gonna have to really if we're gonna be in the olympics we gotta really treat this like the olympics so that just made me like that took me back to simple session back in the day and just how many dudes i knew who were just out raging all night probably not sleeping or getting like an hour of sleep and then just going and just killing themselves on the course and sometimes it would work out Sometimes it would absolutely not work out. And, uh, I mean, it's kind of weird to think about how many BMX riders really push themselves on both sides of that spectrum. Yeah. I mean, and it works really well for some people. It really does. They could party all night and then ride really good the next day. Mm. And it's like, it's all, 
it's all what works best for you. You know, there's no formula written out. It's like, I mean, I look at a dude like Dustin Dolan in skateboarding, like, mm. and it's like, he parties really hard all the time and he skates really hard all the time and he's been doing it for a long time. So it's like, I'm not saying everybody could be that way, but the people that can and they want to be, that's up to them. Right. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's kind of crazy because there's such a there's such a shelf life on living that lifestyle. Like where even I'm not even gonna name names, but there's a lot of people in BMX who made drinking and partying seem very, very cool to me at a young age. And at some point, because of like, you know, health conditions or whatever, they just had to pretty much completely stop partying. And it's like it, it sucks that young kids can't really like see that that's them down the line if mm-hmm. they keep living like that. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think with things like that, though, you got to learn the hard way sometimes. You know, it's like you, you, someone could tell you a million times, but until you actually feel it, you don't know what it is. You mm-hmm. know, it's like until you feel what a hangover is like multiple days in a row or whatever it is it's like oh yeah i'm just uh i'm just imagining how bad it could be but now i actually know how bad it could be so mm-hmm. <laughs> what are what are the things that you see when because i know you're kind of involved with cult i'm um, probably like the business end and stuff i'm sure you're talking to robbie about what riders are going to get sponsored or whatever like what, what's the stuff that really makes you look at somebody and feel like they're worth investing in these days that's a really good question, actually, because um, we're trying to figure it out constantly because <laughs> right, things yeah. change so, so much these days. And um, yeah, honestly, I think the people that stand out to us right now, the riders, are people who have that drive and that work ethic and um, can get along with everybody in the van. You know what I mean? It's mm. like, yeah, you can you can be yourself, but you also need to accept everybody else for who they are and be able to coexist with them you know so it's like if you're out riding with somebody and the vibe's off then the riding's off you know so it's like you need to make sure that they fit in with the crew as well work hard fit in with the crew don't you know i guess the other thing is ah you have to like you have to learn from i guess the people that want to help raise you up in bmx you know like Mm. i I've known Robbie for over 20 years, you know, and like he, he helped me with some things early on that if no one ever told me, I'd probably be cooking it to this day. You know what I mean? So it's like when like, I guess someone who's been in it for a while gives you advice, like granted, as long as they're not like some salty old dude, it's mm. like, listen to that and be like, Hey, maybe that is something I could work on or whatever, you know? Cause there's been a lot of times over the years where I heard about, you know, <laughs> Uh, he doesn't even ride for him anymore, so I'll just use his name in the example. Like Mark Burnett, when he went on his first Sunday trip, mm-hmm. and he's just, you know, like 15. He's super good at riding, but he's just talking and talking and talking. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, and, and I'm picturing in my head, and the pro team is, like, whoever, like Aaron Ross and all these guys at the time who probably, you know, they've been on a million trips. They know how they want this trip to go. They, they don't – if you're annoying, it's just going to really stand out. 
and that is such a, a crazy dynamic for me to imagine. It's funny because we in this interview we've already described you being on both ends of it, where you're the OG in the van on these cult trips these days, <laughs> and you were the brand new kid on that low tech trip back yeah. in the day. So it's I actually think that your strategy, whether it was just because you were anxious or whatever, of just kind of not talking, yeah. probably a pretty good strategy because over talking is like very risky. Maybe these dudes are gonna like you, but there's like a really good chance that maybe you want to start off slow with letting them know what you're all about. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like you, you are the new kid. You have something to prove. Like, I, I hate to say it like that, but in so many ways you have to, I guess, um, be mindful that you have the, the generals of the team with you and you need to show them that you can fit in with them, you know? Mm. So I don't know if that sounds tribal or corny or whatever, <laughs> but I mean, to a certain extent, it's like that. It's true. Just because like, going out riding is like the, the it's such an emotional thing if you're a person who, who's actually trying to get footage it's like you know you're doing something that's very very sacred and important to you and just having one person whose vibe is off there for the average pro is just really gonna have like an outsized effect on what they're trying to do that day isn't it crazy how that happens it's yeah. like something as little as somebody's vibe being a little bit off could throw off the whole day of filming. Right. You know what I mean? It could go, it could go from a good day of like people getting tricks, having a good time celebrating to like, whatever, dude, let's just go home. dude. <laughs> this guy. Yeah. It's like, it could derail it really quick. Yeah. It's really, it's really gnarly how that could happen. Yeah. Like the energy and the intensity of a BMX trip kind of just determines so much because you know, I've known people or I've, I've been on the road with teams who, you know, they're, they're up at nine in the morning and they're, they're out riding until one or two in the morning. And they just are just on it because there's either the team manager or the filmer or whoever is really like controlling the flow of the trip is basically saying we're going to ride this much. And then there's other trips where you can almost tell that like the team manager doesn't really give a fuck. And they're perfectly happy to go back to the hotel room and party as soon as it hits mm -hmm. 5 or 6 p.m. or whenever it starts to get dark. And it's like, you know, those are just two completely different styles of doing a trip. And both can happen. And it's based on, like, the energy of yeah. the people as a collective. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think, I think when people realize that they're, like, accountable for how things can go and how a trip could go and how a video could turn out, that's when you start making decisions based on that. Like, hey, you know, our, our purpose right now is like obviously to have a good time and be with everybody, but we also need to make sure that we get this video done and it's, it's, it's what we want it to be, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like just being accountable for your actions and being like, yeah, I'll get a couple tricks um, and feel good and then I could party and that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Because right. it's like I've, I've kind of fulfilled the need um, that's asked of me, you right. know? So... What's your preferred style of those? Like, are you the type of person who's down to stay out with the generator and the lights until two in the morning? Or do you prefer to like, if we're going to get out at 11, maybe let's, let's do like eight hours and we'll be back by seven. Like, do you, cause there's, there's something to be said for being extreme and there's something to be said for keeping a routine that you can maintain. Yeah. Um, I'd say the majority of the time I like the like early start ride till dark or whatever. Mm. Um, and then have like the night to relax and like recover a little bit, yeah. get a good night's sleep and then do it again. Um, the generator stuff starts, I think in some ways, like becomes like, it starts like messing up the trip because it throws the schedule off sometimes, you know, mm. cause if you're not back from filming till three in the morning, 
you're going to sleep most of the next day. Mm. You're going to be shot. And then you almost have to get on, like, you have to make the decision. It's like, we're going to get on like a night schedule and keep, keep this going or stay on the day schedule, you know? So, yeah. cause if you do both, you're, you're going to be shot in like two days, three days tops. Mm. Yeah. So definitely. But I mean, as just always think about like when you have that one young kid, the like 16, 17, 18 year old kid who's got like crazy energy and is down to ride all night that a lot of times I've seen that basically like motivate a bunch of older dudes to just keep up with that. But you're right that like if you're getting back from riding three or four in the morning, then your odds of like being up and ready to go at 10 are just like much, much less. At some point that sleep or whatever that people need to catch up on is going to catch yeah. up to you. Yeah. You're going to feel like shit if you do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, what about the the spot searching part of it? Like, w was that always a thing to you, or was there a, a time that you could identify where looking for spots really started to matter to you? Yeah, um, I think it really. It's kind of always been a part of my riding, but like I think in the last like ten years, it's gotten to. It's more so like a. I look at it now as like it's almost meditation for me. It's almost mm. like, like a, like a good thing for my mental health. You know, it's like I get up, you know, have some coffee, listen to music or a podcast, drive around, find spots. And it's like, it's like a, um, I don't know. It's almost like <laughs> ceremonial at this point, you know, mm. like I, I really enjoy that. And I realize how beneficial it is for like my mental health and, um, just my being. So, um, and I get to, you know, do things that I, care about i'm like i'm finding spots and then i get to go back on the weekend and go film at those spots that i found you know mm. it's like it works out really well how organized with it are you because that that was one thing i always liked looking for spots but my brain was never organized enough to be like okay today we're gonna go look at this area and, and i've known riders who were like that over the years though where like they would pick a city or pick a part of town and just like really comb through it and really feel comfortable by the end that they had seen everything there was to see. Like how meticulous with it are you? I'm, I'm more on that side these days. <laughs> like I'm pretty meticulous about it. Um, I have an app that tracks your route. So like, I'll like go, all right, I'm going to go to this industrial pocket Wow. and I'm going to go down every street, you That's know? Smart. So it's like a, I don't cover as much ground, but at least I comb through it really well, you know? So, but then other times I'm just like, dude, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go with it. Like, uh, I'm going to go turn right here, left here. Right. Like I just kind of like just wing it, you know, but both formulas work. Right. Definitely. But are you like super confident that there's almost nothing for you to find in your general area? Like, do you have to travel a pretty decent amount at this point since I'm sure you've combed through your area over and over? I always think that, but then I get humbled, dude. Sometimes mm. I'll see something that's like within five minutes of my house and I'm like, or maybe not that close. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, pretty damn close. close yeah. yeah. You know, 15, 20 minutes where I'm like, oh my goodness, like how on earth did I not find this? You know? So right. it's like, you know, it's, you get humbled by it sometimes, but I do generally, I'm like, I have to drive an hour to get to, or further to get, cause even the hour zone you know, whether it's like San Bernardino or like even up here, Burbank, Glendale, like it's like there's still stuff to be found. But I feel like I've been to those zones so many times that I'm over searching in them right now. Yeah. So, yeah, man, you have experiences where there's like something that was weirdly close to your house that you just ignored and just never looked down that one street over and over. Yeah. Yeah. I have stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah. yeah it's super strange. Um, I think, too, there's just like even like think about like a like a medical complex or a business complex it's like you can drive by it 
a million times and be around it a million times. But until you actually go in the corridor and there's like, oh, there's these perfect ledges in here, you know, right. um, you might not know until you go in there. So. Right. How, how motivated are you to work on spots? Like I've seen you bondoing stuff and like fixing ledges and shit. Like how often do you do that? And how motivated would you say? Are you, are you down to do that to just get one clip? Or do you usually want it to feel like it's a spot that's like worth sessioning in order to put some work in on it? Uh, both. Yeah, for sure. Like I'll, I'll fix a spot to get one trick for sure. But then also sometimes I fix things I don't even feel like riding just for the sake of fixing them because mm. it's like, I don't know, the more spots, the better for people, you know? So it's like a, sometimes I consider it like community service, so to speak, for like skate and BMX. Cause it's like, I know how beneficial these things are for people, especially cause how weird the world is right now. It's mm. like to have something like skate and BMX in your life and to have more spots to do it on is just gonna help everybody. Definitely. Do you, uh, do you feel like you're primarily looking for spots for yourself or do you, do you, because like I remember when I started hanging out with Garrett Reeves, all of a sudden I became like a guy who was looking for wall rides and I never really like, I'd always been like looking for little shit to grind or whatever. And then I just started hanging out with him and all of a sudden it's like, oh no, I can see like a little four foot bank and a wall 20 feet away. Yeah. And that's a thing that I need to actually remember now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I think I ride with, so many different people with so many different styles that I'm always like keeping my eyes open for everything because it's like something that might not work for me could be perfect for somebody else, you know, like, mm. and plus like, that's, that's kind of the point. Like I want to like, I want to be able to, I get just as excited when I take somebody to a spot that I found and they get a trick at it and they mm. like the spot, then the same as if I did it, you know what I mean? I'm like, Oh, that's so sick. Like it worked out for you. I'm happy that, everything was worth it now, you know? So, right. yeah. I remember there was a Road Fools trip back in the day where they went to Miami, I think, and they fucking put on like a slow, sad song. And they were like, <laughs> sort of talking about how everything in the whole city was capped. And it was just like, oh, this is a sad look at what the future of street riding might be like. Um, and it's true that like, you know, a lot of spots I go to are capped and I'm like, oh fuck, I remember somebody did something on this rail 20 years ago and it's probably been capped since then. How depressing is that? Do you, do you feel like that is a sad state of affairs or is that just kind of a negative way to look at it? That Road Fool scene is so depressing, by the way. <laughs> I seriously just watched that. It's Road Fool 7. I watched it like a month yeah. ago and it's all Super 8, slow song, like security guards and caps and this and that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty depressing. But I think the crazy thing is like, as with everything, BMXers and skateboarders are like evolving to like mm -hmm. overcome those things. It's like, Cool, we're gonna take a cap off if we need it gone or we're gonna bondo this if we need it bondoed and um you, you follow know the knob buster on instagram yeah i follow him. that's motivational yeah. that, that makes me want to go out and and take caps off things just yeah. seeing how, how motivated he is yeah no it's it's crazy it's uh it feels good to get something running you know mm. it really does so I'm, I'm sure that's like part of his drive is like dude he on he takes the caps off a spot and then niger gets five tricks on it it's like cool is worth it you know so mm. yeah. it's all just part of building this overall story of bmx and skating yeah and i think too there's like something special about like being able to um i don't know i'm trying to be an example in as many ways as i can you know as, again that might sound corny to some people but it's like if someone sees me and they see that i'm out spot searching fixing spots riding a lot it's like I hope that's motivating for those people to have that because, you know, I know I keep going back to it, but these are things that are good for your, your mental health as well. Good for your mm -hmm. brain to have that, to have these like 
things you're passionate about. So if someone could see the stuff that I'm doing and get inspiration from it, I'm, I want to keep doing it. Right. I remember uh, maybe 2010-ish era sort of realizing that I, I felt like the new generation of kids didn't give a shit about like real true street riding and spots the same way that maybe my generation had based on like the animal videos and shit like that and i started to realize like oh a lot of these kids really just want to see tech plaza shit because it's super relatable and they feel like they could go and learn this stuff and that bummed me out and you know kind of felt like I had to sort of try to work around it. But, you know, there was videos from that time period that I just remember that I thought were the sickest thing ever and just seeing them not really get that much attention. And it was kind of a bummer. Um, how do you feel about where the average young BMX kid is at in terms of appreciating those things like spots and finding spots and shit like that? Yeah, no, it's it's a lot more rare these days than it was because mm -hmm. I, I know what area you're talking about. That's when I was coming up riding too and really enjoying it. Um, like literally like it's i'd say maybe 10 percent of riders care about spots they just like here's the thing it's like obviously tricks are really important mm -hmm. you need to work on those you need to do things that you feel like fit in your in your trick bag or whatever but um spots are just as important most of the time in my opinion because it's like if you use the spot correctly that's even more of a trick than just doing the trick on something else mm -hmm. you know it's like whoa, you use this, this, and this, and this, like, that's special. That takes, like, takes some brain power, and it takes, like, some passion to mm. figure that out, you know? So it's, like, personally, and I hope that doesn't sound like, I'm not downplaying any of the the tech stuff that anybody does or any of the, I guess, stock eight-stair handrail stuff people do because that stuff's impressive as well. But I think, personally, I'm drawn towards... Uh, the riders that use the spot to the full uh, potential and hopefully again like you know I I think there's enough dudes that are doing that right now to where it's going to continue to live on you know I hope it doesn't fade away mm, 100% <clears throat> um, you've always been somebody who was really fascinated by skateboarding and, and paying attention to that culture and everything um, how, how do you feel like BMX and, and skate culture the overall strength of, of these different subcultures like where do you see that at? Because it's been it's been kind of a crazy thing to witness throughout my life seeing skateboarding. You know, it felt like BMX and skateboarding were almost kind of in a similar place when I started riding. It might have just been me being young thinking that, but we sort of seen skateboarding just like explode and become this massive thing in fashion and the culture as a whole. And then BMX, sometimes it feels like it's kind of been sidelined a little bit in the sense that it just didn't really get that same boost over the years that skating got. Mm -hmm. How do you think about that? Yeah, I think I think you're right for sure. Um, and I do think skateboarding's kind of always been a little bit ahead. Um, I I think that in some ways it's a little bit more accessible because mm. it's cheaper than a bike. Yeah. But then again, sometimes I don't feel that way because I'm like everybody has a bike growing up. It's like almost like, hey, you're you know you're five years old now. You're gonna get a bike, whether it's a BMX bike or not. Like you can still use it for something, you know. But I think skateboarding too just has like a, it has such like a cult following that, mm. and it's, it's just a, it's like, you know, 10 or 20 years ahead of BMX. And I like, I'm not downplaying BMX cause I love this shit, you know? Um, but I think the people that want to get in, I also think that there's people in skateboarding 
that look out for skateboarding as a whole. Mm. And in BMX, we don't really have that. We don't have like, I guess some head honchos, so to speak to like kind of navigate the ship and, um, help make sure that it's on the radar of bigger companies and, you know, maybe like Gucci needs a BMX or like, it's like, they're not getting those. They're getting skateboarders because skateboarders are in their ear as well. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, and skateboarding looks cool, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it definitely looks cool. There's yeah. definitely more of like a, a sense that it's just like a guy. And then there's like this little skateboard that's at the bottom. Whereas like a bike is like the bike is big and the guy is big. So it's like, he's really riding that bike. Whereas like in, in some sense, I feel like aesthetically, skateboarding just looks like a guy who's just standing there going really fast and yeah he happens to be standing on this piece of wood but it's like there's something about that to the average person's eye that is just sort of shocking and just really cool i guess yeah yeah for sure i mean it looks like surfing like you watch people Mm. surf and it's just like they're just flowing you know and you could do that on a bike but i feel like it's harder to look good on a bike than it is Mm. sometimes you know what i mean um yeah, I don't know. It's I, my opinions could be super bizarre to some people, but but you, do you ever uh, did did you ever like like when you started really riding? Were you also skating at that time period, and you just always took bike riding more serious? I started skateboarding when I was three. Oh, okay. Um, and then I didn't really get into BMX till I was nine. But um, for like probably from nine to twelve, I did both equally, like back and forth, back and forth. And then BMX kind of took over. And mm. I think the main thing was for me, I felt like I can catch more air on a bike than on a skateboard. And I was mm. like, I just want to hit jumps and launch off stuff. Like there's nothing better than feeling like, I guess like weightless or whatever, you know? And it's like, you could, you could really, you can get high on a bike and it was yeah. harder on a skateboard. Yeah, It's weird when I think about it, there was definitely a time period when I was like 13 where I definitely could have become a skater or a BMX rider. And it was really like the transportation thing that did it for me it was like, oh, I can like get like 10 miles away from my mom's house pretty easily. Whereas with a skateboard, it's like if you want to go like a, a mile or two, it's a pretty exhausting experience. Yeah, that's such a good point too. And like, I think that's why I feel like there is like, Think I'm thinking about like when I was in middle school or high school, there was like BMXers that, or that there were just people that um, got BMX bikes for Christmas and they didn't know anything about it. But mm. then we'd see them at the bike locker and be like, "Dude, you have a BMX bike? You want to ride with us?" You know. <laughs> yeah. So it was like there was that, and uh, you know they could have just gotten it just for transportation to and from school, but now all of a sudden they're part of this. You mm. know what I mean? Which is pretty cool because skateboarding doesn't really have that that much you know because you're not using it as transportation as much right so no 100 percent. i always think about how it's interesting how like society kind of comes up with different styles of bikes like throughout my life that'll pop up as like things that people are interested in for a period of time like i saw that with the fixie wave uh nowadays like the the wheelie bikes are like a really big thing and that always is just really stands out to me is like oh the, the bicycle as a entity is never going to go away and our culture is just always going to find different takes on it over and over and, and bmx is one of those and we have to like figure out how to act in its best interest because we can all agree that it is the best and that we want to encourage kids to learn all these tricks and like these, these tricks just cannot be lost to time no please <laughs> keep the legacy going kids right. please um no that's such a good point and skateboard skateboards can't really um evolve and change as much as bikes can. Mm, you know what I mean? True. There is different sizes. Like you could have a longboard, but like 
the majority of people think that's kooky or it's transportation at your college. You know mm. what I mean? But bikes, there's like, like you said, there's wheelie bikes, fixed gears, BMX bikes, mountain bikes, road bikes, gravel bikes. There's so many different types of bikes that I wonder if that's also part of the problem is like we have, they have one thing and we have like 10 things that are all categorized as bikes, you know? Mm. So I don't that's know. Interesting. I never thought about it till this conversation. So I could be way out of left field yeah definitely um i well i don't think you're out of left field but <laughs> yeah uh, thanks adam yeah definitely man <laughs> no nah, but like I, I just it's interesting how like you know bmx is so has gotten so technical it's gotten to the point where it's like it's very hard for the average like young rider to do something that's considered impressive just because we've seen so many insane things over the years and then there's like the fixie thing was just kind of like oh no like here's an opportunity for another generation of bike riders to do like really simple tricks and actually get acclaim for it. And the same thing with the wheelie thing is that it's like, you know, I'm pretty sure if you like devoted the next month to doing wheelies down the street that you'd be able to probably do most of the stuff that these kids are doing. I don't know, man, <laughs> dude, I saw a video, like I'm sure there's a lot of them, like one swerved, like right out the side of a semi. Yeah. Dude, that was gnarly, man. I wouldn't be That's doing gnarly, that. but I also think it's very socially irresponsible. It's pretty... Like, think about how traumatized that truck driver yeah. is now. <laughs> He's, like, driving around like, dude, I got to worry about this now? Although I remember being with a black man back in the day in New York, and the way that he would ride a bike was pretty much, like, the definition of socially irresponsible. Like Jumping would, on cabs and it stuff. It would blast towards, like, a full, like, like multi-lane intersection, and just... He, he was, like, so in tune with his bike that he would just spot the opening and just blast through it and not even stop or consider and that was such like a such like a show of bravado at that time where like uh, it was his way of like letting everybody else he was riding with know that he was the man yeah. it, he didn't have to do a big rail that day or whatever it's like no the way i go through this intersection as if i don't give a fuck about my own life is the way that i'm gonna let you guys all know that i'm i'm really out here doing it <laughs> that's a really good point actually yeah yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, sometimes you, there's people like that that are just like, you can tell that they, like a, a dude like Black Man, it's like he, he loved riding and he would want to do it like even if he wasn't going to grind the rail, he's just going to like zigzag through and it's mm. like any way to get that like rush, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like, and I think that's what's cool about BMX is like you're you're constantly looking for that high. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, dude, like, I know if I land this or do this scary thing, I'm going to feel good, you yeah. know? Yeah. With him, it was crazy because, and that was one thing I really liked about New York was that you're riding everywhere. So it's like it, the, the actual act of riding a bike is inseparable from the tricks. Like, yes, you're going to go to a spot and put your backpack down and ride and everything like that. But there was a lot of times where we'd be out and, like, he would just hit this rail hop while we were riding on the street. And it would be the kind of thing that, it wouldn't be that big a deal if everybody like set up and put their shit down and they were sessioning it, but he would do it like going 20 miles per hour down the street with hella people around. And like, he's, he's narrowly missing this old lady that's walking by. And it's just like, th that just stood out to me so much. It's like, this is like a real bike rider right yeah. here. This is somebody that this is just indistinguishable from, from anything else. Yeah. And when you experience something like that, it's like really special, you know, mm. it's like, I remember like going out street riding with people like, you know, around Huntington when I was like 15, like kids that had been riding longer than me. I didn't really know them. I was pretty like, I guess, intimidated by them. Mm -hmm. Like 
we'd just be riding down the street and I'd watch him grind a handrail or something. And I'm like, dude, I've never grinded a handrail. This is insane. They didn't even look at it. No one's filming nothing. Just grind the rail. You know, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm always fascinated by also like tricks that people were really good at at a certain point and then it's like bmx kind of like doesn't seem that interested in it after a certain point like they just sort of let that person have that like not that he was the greatest of all time in it but i used to like go film that dude rory ellis a lot oh yeah and he had never been hurt really yeah and so he was really good at doing tire rides but he didn't have like a normal like rational fear of doing tire rides because he was really good at it and he hadn't gotten fucked up doing it and like sometimes when I think about shit that I saw him do like ten years ago, I'm like I don't know if I could really expect anybody else to do that right now. Just and and that just like when you're really really good at riding, it's almost like a superpower. And and there are certain superpowers that it would be reasonable to assume that maybe nobody else is gonna really get down that crazy for yeah. some time. Yeah, a hundred percent. You brought up a good point, like with the like he never experienced like it going wrong. So mm. it's like, it wasn't even in his mind. He was just going to do it. And when you're in that state, that's when you ride the best because you're like, I'm not worried about if this is going to work or not. Mm. I'm just, I'm doing it because I know I can more so, you know? And it's like, that's the one thing that like, I guess gets frustrating for me is like, you know, the older you get, the more you're thinking about things before mm. you're doing them. Cause it's like, it's like, dude, like, you know, I want to be able to continue riding as long as I can. And I don't want something to interrupt that like an injury or me misjudging this gap to whatever and getting hurt. It's like, that's, I think that's the hardest part about like pushing it further. You know mm. what I mean? Because when you're younger, you don't think about that stuff as much. I didn't, I wasn't scared on my bike, like really at all until I was like 25. Really? Yeah. Like I just like, obviously I'd have like rational fears of things, but like I was so confident in what I was doing and I didn't overthink anything mm -hmm. and I felt like it worked out way better for me now than than now now I'm like I overthink everything and it kind of takes some of the fun away right. so been trying to like learn how to mitigate that a little bit yeah what's been helpful in terms of you being able to kind of turn the anxiety off and just be in the moment in terms of what you're trying to do I'll tell you when I figure it out <laughs> <laughs> um no honestly like uh you know I'm I'm I try to be an advocate for like good mental health stuff. Like I, you know, I see a therapist, I talk to somebody, um, specifically it's called a cognitive behavioral therapy and mm. it's, uh, it's essentially like learning how to create like new neuro pathways and ways of thinking. Um, because sometimes the old ways of thinking don't serve you anymore. Like, mm. you know, like me, like being at the top of the stairs, looking at a 20 stair rail, just thinking about all the bad things that could go wrong. It's like, instead of like continuing to, um, I guess to interact with those thoughts, like, Oh yeah, that might happen or this or that. It's like, you could look at it and be like, you know what? Yeah, there's a possibility of that, but I value progressing on my bike. So I'm going to push through this. You know what I'm saying? Like, so essentially it's just like, it's, you know, you have bad thoughts and not taking them so seriously and pushing through. So like I've been mm. having to do that a lot more than I used to. <laughs> right. Just sort of take control of that. Yeah. 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 I think anybody who's operating at a really like elite level for a long period of time, that kind of thing is very likely to happen where you start to sort of develop un 
unnecessary connections between behaviors and and, this, and when you're expecting yourself to be able to perform a lot of that stuff just is it, it becomes tricky it becomes hard for you to sort of just go about it as simply as it really is yeah no that's the thing it's like when you're when you're a little bit more careless when you're younger things work out so much better you know than when you're a little bit older and you're overthinking everything because when you take your brain out of the equation it's like you can I'm confident in my ability to decide what I can do and what I can't do at this point, you know? Mm. So sometimes I talk myself out of doing things, even though I know I can do it because my brain is just so loud. It's telling me like all the bad things that could happen. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I've really had to be, I've had to work on that to where I can push through it and just do it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So one clip that I wanted to mention that I saw from you the other day that just really struck me as like a really bizarre thing that I never would have expected anybody to do. Uh, and for people who want to see it, it's in the Cult San Diego video, but there's just like a big tall ledge and then there's like an awning over a, a door, this like blue piece of transition. And you actually like go at it and like bump your tire, kind of like ride up a little piece of transition and then like ride down. And then it's like a eight foot drop or whatever. It was like really high. That just struck me as like such a bizarre spot for you to notice, for you to the, and for you to then do that, and for you to feel the need to bonk your tire on the way in instead of just jumping into it. Yeah. How did that go down? Uh, it's funny. Uh, so um, shout out to Dane Berman. He's a professional skateboarder. He's a friend right, of mine. Yeah. Um, he, uh, him, and I trade spots like all the time. Mm. You know. Um, so, um, anyways, we were down there. So I hit him up. I was like, hey, like you, you want to come skate with us while we're riding or whatever. So. Him and Chris Cole met up and uh, we were just cruising around and we were kind of running out of spots in Oceanside. And uh, he's like, oh, I have this thing up the street if you want to check it out. So he took us up there. And I was like, dude, this thing's so sick. And I guess some skaters have ollied into it really? also. Yeah, but um, it was a weekday. It's out of post office. The post <laughs> office was open. And I got up there and I had heard that someone might have jumped into it already on a bike. Um. So I was like. I'm up here and I really want to do this, but I'm not trying to like, just do the same thing someone else did. I was like, I'm going to try and wally up into it. You know what I mean? Right. So I like checked it to make sure it was sturdy, but I knew I couldn't jump into it more than once because we were going to get kicked out. It was out of post office during the week. It was loud when you went into it. Yeah. Uh. So I was like, I have to just do this. I didn't even get to jump into it. I just went straight for the wally and do it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, awesome. and I was really happy it worked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay. Another one I wanted to ask about is like your ender and your most recent section where you do this fucking crook and then you just hop over and like dive into this <laughs> massive kinked ledge and you're going so fast that you look like you almost kind of lose control at the end and you sort of like blast past the last kink of it. Uh, like that seemed like kind of a distinctive clip because it was just definitely something where things could go horribly wrong and you probably were imagining it going wrong multiple times. As soon as I saw you doing it, I'm like, Oh my God, I can't imagine what he was thinking when he was up there trying that. Like what's your mentality on doing like a real banger like that, that has a lot of risk involved. Yeah, that one was, I was terrified. I was really scared and I had to push through all kinds of anxiety around that one. But like, you know, it was strange because I, at that moment, I was like, I was, I was accepting what could happen. I, mm. I was just, you know what? Okay, that can't happen, but I'm going to push through and I want to do this, you know? So, um, you know, I, I had thoughts of falling over the thing as I was doing it, you know? So, uh, 
yeah, needless to say, I was really happy that I didn't die and I rode away and yeah. So really? yeah, it's just, I don't know. I think sometimes you get in that zone where you're like, I want this so bad and I know I can do it if it works out that I'm willing to accept dying if I need to, mm. you know, risk and reward might go in the favor of, of, uh, you sometimes versus like, no, that's too risky. I don't want to do it. That's a funny trick too, because if you had a brake on your bike, it's not that scary, right? Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> if you could just slow down a little bit. It's not that wild. Uh, the first time I just rode down the thing without doing the grind pop over, I almost died. Like bars turned on the last kink. Like it's dude, it's fast. It's wow. really fast. Yeah. So that's what I was scared of. I was like, I might even land the trick, but when I get to the end, like, like turn my bars wrong and die, you right. know? So yeah, I don't know, man. It's like, it's weird as much as I hate the, um, downsides of riding, like the fear and all those things. It's like, it's motivating at times. And that mm. was a time where I was like, dude, I'm, I'm down for it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I felt like I was about to get in a fight. I was like, I'm down. <laughs> like, right. let's do it. Yeah. At this point you feel like you're always filming top tier stuff. Like you're always filming for projects you actually give a shit about or everything, anything that's like, something that you're not actually that you don't think is that cool could be like iphone clip or something you put in your story or whatever because remember there's always that like oh we're gonna do like web edits versus like video parts thing but i feel like at this point the web edit clips are all just maybe some stuff you just put on your iphone yeah i think um i think these days like that's one of the hardest things is like kind of i want i want there to be a difference between what is in a, like a web part or a video part and what's on my Instagram and what's on the story. You know what I'm saying? Like you need to have things for each of those things. You got to feed, feed all the monsters, you know? Mm. So it's like, sometimes I'll start filming something for Instagram and I'm like, Oh, if I add this to it, like this would be like a, I'd be really stoked if this was like a real trick for my part. You know what I mean? So, um, it's, it's a case by case basis is all mm. I'm trying to say is like, you know, and if it's a trip video, like obviously you're, you don't want to do something that's going to take three days to land, you know, right. it's like you have to do things within reason. So case by case, you know, I think, I think the more flexible you can be with like, okay, this is, this is okay that this is going to here. This is okay. Mm -hmm. that this is for Instagram. This is okay. This is for a video part. And like, I guess being able to, um, differentiate all of those things and figure it out on your own. Like, I think like the more content you are with your riding. Mm, definitely. Yeah. I remember there was a, a pro who I went on a trip with and he tried to trick for like eight or nine hours and that was just the whole day. And it was just like a really weird experience to, to see somebody like monopolize the whole day like that. And I mentioned it to some other pro and he's like, oh, that motherfucker did that on a trip with me too. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, oh, this is like a real personality type. Like, like, cause I would, you know, I'm never a pro or whatever, but yeah, I would probably feel pretty guilty if I was making the whole team wait around for more than, you know, however, a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, I think I think that comes into play a lot because even sometimes like five tries in, people are like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry to the, the filmer or right, sorry yeah. to the crew. It's like, hey, dude, five tries is chilling. You're good. Like mm -hmm. if we're here for five hours, then like, all right, man, like maybe we can come back tomorrow kind of thing, you know? So, right. but I think once you get to the level most people anyways, where you're on trips and you're filming, you are, you're aware of like, okay, this, this one's going to take me too long. It's mm. not worth it for this particular scenario. If I come back with just a filmer for another project, then that will be the time I do it. But 
I'm with six other people and everybody's like really excited to ride. So I got to be mindful of that, you know? Mm, so definitely. Um, is there anywhere that you haven't been yet that you still really want to go in terms of riding? Yeah, dude, a lot of places in the U.S. I've still never been. Really? I've never been to Boston. I've always oh, wanted wow, to really? go there. Oh. Yeah. Um, only place in Texas I've really ridden is Austin. Mm. I want to go to some other cities in Texas. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the East Coast. I, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in, in New York and Philly, but that's really it. Like, mm. I would love to explore more of the East Coast, you know? Definitely. So, How did COVID affect your riding? It just make you sort of like double down on looking for shit around California more than anything? Yeah, I actually look back on those like it's still we're still in it right now. But yeah. like I look back on those early times and it was like, obviously, it was like the world felt so uncertain and everything. But one thing that stayed constant for me was like going I could do it alone. I was going out spot searching. I was going out riding. I was finding things. And um, I think ultimately, like taking a break from traveling during that time was really beneficial for me too. like mm -hmm. getting in a little bit of a routine. Um, I filmed probably some of my favorite things I've ever filmed during that time because it was like everything seemed first of all so uncertain so it's like you want to do everything you can with the time you're allotted kind of thing the, the aura in the world as a whole around that time did feel Dude, fucking it was crazy weird it was I went out around a couple times with vegan where there's just like barely anyone around in areas where normally it's just nonstop people. Yeah. And like, we were like going, you know, hopping fences to go ride in schools. And it really felt like we were doing something bad, like just by leaving the house. <laughs> I know that's a the thing. There was like that big guilt. Like I felt guilty being by myself in my car sometimes. Cause I'm like, right. am I going to get someone sick or whatever? But, um, I think the last time you and I rode together was like, right. Yeah, dude, it might've been like the beginning of March. Like I remember hearing like things about COVID, but it wasn't really a thing yet. Yeah. Riding a ELAC or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I forgot about that day. I want to say like, we might've even someone in the, in the group had men mentioned it was going on and we were just like, Oh yeah, whatever, you know? And then like two weeks later it was just locked down, you know? Yeah. I, like I follow, uh, you know, the, the, there's just like a random podcaster who I really respect in, in terms of his medical advice and everything. And he shut down his like tour dates. Like he was, he was supposed to do something in South by Southwest and he shut it down like in February. And I remember just thinking like, what? Like yeah. this motherfucker is serious. He's shutting his events down I because know. of this. Like this can't be that big a deal. And like three days later, I was just like, oh, fuck. Like he didn't have to shut it down. Like it was already it was going to be shut down. Yeah. And it was just everything just changing so much in that moment. Dude, yeah. It was so weird. I mean, between seeing like the signs on the freeway that, you know, the changing ones, it said like stay home and this and that like mm. you're driving on the freeway and you see a sign that says stay home you're like dude what is going <laughs> yeah. on like yeah so yeah that was that was a really crazy time but right. you got to use it to your advantage you know what i mean like went out spot searching and you know not downplaying all the people who we've lost during this time or anything by any means but yeah. like there is things about it that i look back on and i'm like i'm thankful i use that time for these things definitely when you think about how you might like do you ever just sort of play out retiring in your head from time to time and just think about what it would be like and what role bike riding might play in your life or, or how you might want to, like, would you want to still be involved in the industry? Would you want to do something totally different? Yeah, I think about it for sure. Cause I mean, like, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and I'm, I still feel very much in it and I want to push it as much as I can, but like, you got to be mindful of what's coming up as well. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to just be, caught without any sort of plan when 
when BMX checks run out or whatever it is, you know? So it's like, I've honestly, like, I just try to learn everything I can from every experience that I'm in. If I have to be in a meeting or if I have to, you know, I'm a, I don't have an agent, so I manage all my own deals. So like even learning how to, um, I guess, email and be in, uh, conversations where someone could take you serious. Like I'm, I'm taking all those steps to where when this is over, I have some life skills as well. Right. You know what I mean? And, um, I mean, honestly, I work really closely with, um, people at vans outside of like, I guess like the BMX team and BMX team managers, um, doing like, I do some graphic stuff for them from time to time, um, some design stuff. And then like, you know, even just like being a part of like events that they throw that aren't necessarily related to BMX. So I guess getting, you know, getting my feet wet with that stuff has been super beneficial and motivating for the future. Like maybe being involved with vans or, um, sometimes I think about, uh, managing a few athletes because mm. I feel like, you know, I have ground level experience with it, but also I understand, I, I try my best to understand the business side of things. So I feel like I could, you know, invest a little time into learning more about business. And then it's like, I'm able to make sure people get what they deserve and make sure people could take their riding as far as they'd like to. I would assume you probably feel pretty happy about the fact that you got on board with Colt early on. Cause it feels like we've seen so many BMX brands just totally fuck it up to one level or another over the years. And not to mention kind of just, you know, take their team that they've had for years and sort of throw it by the wayside. Yeah. Uh, that's got to feel like a pretty big part of why you're still pro or why you still are, are riding so intently is just because all that stuff is pretty on point, I would assume. Oh yeah. I mean, like, me and Robbie have been close for so long and, you know, he's close with the rest of the team as well. Um, and to be able to continue building that brand and be a part of it from the get go, it's like now I see kids I don't know riding down the street and they're riding Colt bikes in my neighborhood. And I'm just like, dude, this is like, it's still pretty mind blowing to me. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's like everybody worked really hard to help get it to where it is. And we're going to continue to do that. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think, I look back on it sometimes and I'm like, I didn't, I guess I didn't necessarily know how risky it was to take that leap because mm. I, I believed so much, you know, I was like, dude, Robbie, Dehart, Hawk, like we have AK. I was like, we have our dudes, let's do this. You know mm. what I mean? We, we're going to be able to build whatever we want. And now I look back and I'm like, whoa, like, yeah, that could have like, granted all these people are great. Like something horrible could have happened but mm. it didn't and now we're here and it's incredible and i think you know being mindful of the achievements and being thankful for those things up to this point but also still having like passion and drive to continue to build it is mm. like crucial you know yeah like when i look at why i'm so impressed by you over the years just in the way that you've just like remained so laser focused on riding i kind of look at robbie in the same way where it's like his devotion to like running a brand and like actually making his brand the best brand that he can. I mean, sometimes I've just been like shocked by like the small BMX events that I would see him pulling up to. Like he actually really realizes the value of those little connections. And, you know, he just, he doesn't shy away from staying on top of that. And like a, a large majority of people at a certain point would just not really care that much. A hundred percent. And that's how, you know, he's passionate about what he does. He's, he's not 
he's not standing on he's not staying at home when an event's going on because the company's at a certain size he's mm -hmm. he's still passionate enough to be there he'll be at the booth you know what i mean it's like he doesn't have to be there mm -hmm. he could hire somebody to man the booth and it would go just fine but he actually loves being a part of this stuff still this is you know like you can tell his passion runs deep and it's not running out anytime soon that's for sure mm -hmm. so yeah definitely that's motivational shit um Okay, so what are you working on now in terms of stuff you're filming for or what, what's keeping you excited right now? Uh, about two months ago or two or three months ago, I just started working on a new um, part for Vans that I'm really excited about. I'm filming with Calvin Kosovich. Um, nice. Yeah, one of my good friends and favorite filmers in BMX, uh, getting to work one, with yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. And uh, handsome dude too, isn't he? <laughs> you know, yeah. tall, handsome. Loves a cigarette. Yeah, loves a cig. Yeah, yeah. No, um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, super stoked to be working on that. Uh, we have some trips coming up. Um, been filming local. Uh, filmed something down the street from here the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even realize it. I was like, wait, hold on. We're right by that spot we were just at two weeks ago when I was driving up here today. I got but a spot I can bless you with that's in like, you know, it's like 50 feet away from here. I got a nice little L ledge over here. You know what's crazy? You is I was, yeah, I did see it. Yeah, of course <laughs> I did. Holy shit, that's yeah. amazing. No, I was before I knew where this was, even before this interview was happening, like two, before I knew the interview was happening, like two months ago, I was out spot searching in this zone and I was in those new buildings across the street, like right. zigzagging. And I, I was like, the other day, yeah, yeah, yeah it was, a couple of big setups. Yeah. Yeah. There's some big rails and stuff, yeah. but like, it's just funny, you know, cause now, now we're here. <laughs> yeah. I actually feel like pathetic when I think about the fact that I've been thinking about doing an Oversmith 180 or probably maybe an Oversmith, depending on how things go on that L edge thing over there for like, the whole time for like two years that we've been here and I've, I've yet to wax it up and actually go for it you want me to brick rub it and wax it right now dude let's get it <sighs> you re that requires brick rubbing from your perspective oh i don't know yeah mm. i'd have to look at it up close yeah yeah no it might you might be right yeah i've always just that that was like it's not something that existed during most of my time out riding vegan hit me up like a year ago or so and he was like yo do you know where this rail is adam wants to hit it did you ever go hit it it was some rail in like riverside oh that little ass three star or something yeah it's like no, a long we didn't three end up going there oh. but i would like to go there that'd be a good one there's a really small rail near my house like a three stair four stair that i ride occasionally yeah yeah that's all right <laughs> um <laughs> um okay Shit, I appreciate it, man. It was good yeah, having a conversation. No, dude, likewise. Thanks for having me, and congrats on all the success. And, hey, you know what? Like, the fact that you built what you have, starting with BMX to this point, is weird, inspiring. Right? No, it's weird. I don't know. It's inspiring. <laughs> and I think that, I don't know, it's it's cool that you're, you know, you're able to continue doing things that you love and you're passionate about. So I appreciate, appreciate you, dude. Trying to do more BMX stuff this year for sure. Yeah. We got a crazy jam going on Saturday. I'm going to go. Ooh, okay. I can't say too much, but it's going to be, it's going to be ridiculous. I heard about it. I'm going. I'll nice. be there. That's tight. Appreciate you. Yeah. Dakota Roach, No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. Check us on YouTube, Spotify, Patreon, all that. Like, comment, subscribe, nojumper.com if you want to support. Appreciate you, man.